hello, and thank you for joining the Dr. Whisperer podcast. I am your host, Sharon Feckety. I am the Dr. Whisperer, and I am so happy that you chose this podcast to listen to when there are so many choices out there. If you are enjoying the podcast, please consider writing a review or typing one, shall I say, and sharing it with somebody who might benefit or enjoy. Thanks so much for listening. Yes. All right. I always like to start with a smile and that's what I do. I hit record mid laughter if I can. So I'm Sharon Feckety, your host of the Dr. Whisperer. I'm very happy today to have Richard Palaria, who is the CEO of Kermit. And he is currently uh, based in Baltimore, but heading down this way to my neck of the woods, uh, which is fabulous because it'll be gorgeous out here in the Tampa Bay, Sarasota area while you're here um, with your with your child and your wife, which is fantastic. And um, and very excited to hear about your company. So, Richard, take it away. Tell us a little bit about you and your and your company. Thanks, Sharon. Yeah. Well, I'm actually going to be in Sarasota with all my kids. I've got a, a got a 24 year old who works here at Kermit, um, and that's kind of interesting and fun at the same time yeah. to work with uh, somebody who's a family member, um, mm-hmm. has challenges and has really good things too that come with it. Um, I have a middle child who is 21 and still in college, and she was drafted earlier this week when my wife's um, uh, coworker had COVID on the day they were supposed to leave. And mm-hmm. so my wife is down in Florida building a big house for somebody. And uh, so she pulled my middle child down there to help her with the project yesterday. So she's down there, they're going at it. Then Ooh. I'll drag my 19 year old. We'll have his birthday party down there and it'd be great. I, awesome. I, I love Florida. I'm re- I really love the area. It's great. It's so great. We can't wait to have you. You might just fall in love and want to build your own house. Forget about somebody else's. So Richard, tell us about Kermit. I'm I'm intrigued. I have, um, as I mentioned to you before, I I listened a little bit to some of your videos. I I always recommend people follow uh, the companies that I interview all in the show notes. You'll have all the links um, to learn more about this company. But, but, and I like to know the why. Mm-hmm. First, just tell me why you decided to to open um, this wonderful company, Kermit. Yeah, I, I wasn't looking to start another company. I mean, I, I am an entrepreneur. Kermit mm-hmm. uh, was founded with two co-founders. And I'll tell you their journey in a little bit that's fascinating um, and how I got to meet them. But uh, I already had a going entity at the time, and I didn't need to start something new. These guys walked into my office and the other company that I had introduced to me through an attorney who was helping them set up a business. They work for a large global manufacturer of orthopedic implants called Zimra Biomet. Mm-hmm. And they had a, a non-compete and they wanted to do it carefully. So they were, they were taking baby steps. Mm-hmm. Um, and they even had, they had burner phones that they had put <laughs> and they had things in their wife's names. They're very, very careful. They didn't want to, to create any uh, spotlight. And so they were working with this attorney. She was my attorney for over 20 years. She heard the story. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to go back into hospitals and help them renegotiate the contracts they have for implants. They're very, very expensive items, as you can imagine, Mm -hmm. and take a portion of of the savings in a successful project as the fee. And Mm -hmm. a light bulb went off for her and she said, I have a client who does this in another industry. You guys ought to just go have coffee. And so set up a, you know, I think I heard you say something about serendipity on a yes. on a previous so podcast. So true. Serendipity and, serendipity and business is my favorite. Yeah. And so we are that story for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, they walked in. They told me this fantastic story about how a sales rep for the 
implant company stands in the operating room with a surgeon. They're not part of the hospital staff. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and, and all I'm thinking about is my mom just had her hip done last mm -hmm. week in Long Beach, California, where I'm from. And one of you jokers was standing in the operating room. She had no say in the implant or the price or, or any of that. And not only does that happen, the surgeon asks for these implants. They come out of a box. Uh, there's no price tag on the box. The surgeon right. doesn't know what these things cost typically. Mm -hmm. uh, very, you know, Surgeons are doing what they're supposed to do. They're, they're there to make sure the patient has the best possible outcome. And um, now we have uh, this situation where you've got a salesperson there. So I'm intrigued. I'm sitting there listening to this story and I'm thinking, nah, I'm not going to sell my business to start, but wait a minute, there might be something here. And then they told me the really fascinating part. When the surgery is happening, there's a piece of paper that the sales rep holds and barcode stickers are peeled off the implant boxes and affixed to the paper. And then they write down what it is they want to charge. And then they take that paper down the hallway to purchasing and hand it in and expect to get a purchase order, i.e. to get paid. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought, wow, so we're, we have healthcare, we have a paper-based process, that never happens. Everything has been digitized by now. Right. And so I thought a little bit more about it. I said, okay, let's do this, guys. I'm very interested. You seem like nice gentlemen. Let's see if maybe we can put something together. I got a few ideas. I got some assets I've built, some software. I've got an entity that uh, is well-respected. I've got a name in the, in the uh, community. Let's just kind of incubate this idea as a joint venture. Now, serendipity number two, very quickly, we landed two hospitals who said, we love the idea, come help us negotiate a better contract. And all of a sudden, I wasn't being an effective CEO of either business. Mm -hmm. So I had to really make the hard decision at that point to sell my other company and come over and do this full time. And that was 10 years ago. Wow. And it's been a wonderful journey. I've learned a lot. I, I come from a medical background in that only that my dad was a cardiologist, but mm. I didn't know anything else. He, he would sit me down in the doctor's lounge at the hospital to go make, make his rounds on a Sunday with a box of donuts and cartoons. Mm. And then he'd come back an hour later and I wasn't kidnapped. He'd take me home. And, and that, was, that was what I knew about healthcare. Uh -huh. But I didn't know about all this other stuff that happens in surgery. And now Kermit, the company not only does the negotiation on behalf of the hospitals, gets paid a portion of what we save the hospitals, but we also have purpose-built software that we have deployed to digitize this paper process and check the bills automatically in, in a price audit and contract compliance way to ensure the hospital only pays what they're supposed to pay. So we create a digital process. No longer is all this unstructured data locked in paper. It's in a, a purpose-built purpose system that has analytics CFOs and supply chain managers can sit down with their surgeons and show them real metrics. We mm. can see where items were wasted in surgery and all kinds of other fascinating data that has really defied quantification until we started this company 10 years ago. That's amazing. So what was the other company? The other company was a, a logistics spend management company where I was negotiating FedEx, UPS, DHL contract for some of the nation's largest shippers. Again, there's some really interesting similarities between these two worlds. Pricing is obscured. You really mm -hmm. don't know what you're going to pay when you, when you book a shipment. Does it get residential surcharges? It is a Saturday delivery. You think you've got a great rate, but when you get your bill, it's inflated with all these surcharges. And you're not exactly sure how to negotiate that because you think you've got a great rate, but you don't know what the guy down the street is paying. Right. So a lot of in fact, it's identical the way that we do our negotiations. We're informing a lot of what we bring to the hospitals from previous successful negotiations because we understand how to benchmark. We understand what the price points are. Mm 
Mm. We understand what the vendor community is looking for in any certain quarter based on what they're trying to do. And we're really trying to, in the truest sense of a negotiation, find something that works for both parties and be the inter- intermediary to buffer that communication and that, and that relationship so that you don't have to beat up a vendor on price and then come ask them to provide great service. Right. It's not a place anybody wants to be. No, never. My husband works for UPS for the last 30 years. Really? And, um, and I love, you know, I actually in December of this past year decided to take on the challenge of being a seasonal driver with him. No kidding. This is an experiment because I am a curious human being as an entrepreneur. And I always want to know the ins and outs of every business, because I think that there are so many transferable skills and we really don't understand a business until we're actually in it, you know? And I mean, I came from telecom in my twenties and who would have thought that 20 plus years later, I'd still be in the medical industry. Um, But having like this outside perspective, um, but business is business, right? And we can mm-hmm. we can very easily take our our skills from from other companies and other services and other experiences and bring yeah. them to the medical industry. And I think the medical industry needs it the most. Um, very I true. Especially, right? I mean, people ask me all the time, "How come I'm not involved in you know MGMA or going to all of these medical conferences?" I'm like, because I want to learn from people that are not actually in the industry. Mm-hmm. All right, my other question for you is why Kermit? Why the name Kermit? <laughs> Okay, so um, we built the software. We had mm-hmm. landed the two hospitals. Mm-hmm. We built the software, and we said, uh, "Okay, we've got the software, but it needs a name." And how are we going to do this? So we were just uh, four employees at the time: mm-hmm. me, my two co-founders, and, and one person who was this was his first job out of college. Love so it. sitting around in a very small office, and throwing out ideas. And I said, before we just kind of go too far afield on this, because we could be doing this for a long time, let's just set some parameters. What, what, what is the essence of the brand? Who, who do we want to be? What do we want to convey in a name that if somebody doesn't know who we are, they, they feel kind of, okay, like this is good. I kind of get the sense. So, so what I said to the guys, uh, my two co-founders, I said, think about the beginning of the movie when I think it's a Spielberg uh, movie, when the kid's sitting on the edge of the moon, he's got the fishing pole and he casts it out and, and the line hits the water and the ripples go out Mm. and the music plays and it's just nice and easy and calm. I said, we're, we're dealing with people that are, are, they're embattled. They're being asked to save money every day. They don't know where to turn. They're trying to balance the, the business side of healthcare with caring for patients. It's Mm. not a pleasant place to be. And in addition to all of this, we, we have a lot of, it was like government alphabet where we worked. There's a lot of acronyms mm-hmm. and, and just stodgy old companies and no personality. Right. So I, I just, that's what I said to them, almost verbatim what I'm telling you, Sharon. So I put yeah. that out there and we started to throw out names. And um, I've been in a couple of bands in, in my earlier years oh. in, in college. It felt like naming a band and, and you know, <laughs> names are being thrown out. And we're like, that's terrible. And that will never work. And my partner, John, who is a great guy, very, he's a big thinker, kind of impetuous. And mm-hmm. he said, Kermit, he's, you know, I said, think of your childhood. He's like, Kermit. Mm-hmm. And we laughed him right out of the room. We're like, that will never work. Because oh, <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not kind of dressed up enough to put in front of a hospital CFO, they'll laugh us out of the room. And by the way, if we even are able to pull it off, how are we going to get around the trademark issues? Right. And so we spent another five minutes throwing names out and we came back to that and we said, nothing better than that. 
I'll tell you what, if we can pull that off, we got a big win. Amen. And exactly what we're able to do. So if I turn my camera around and showed you the bookshelf on the other side of my, my computer, it's full of little frogs and things. That oh, let me say, turn it around <laughs> for you that, yeah. that are listening too bad. You're going to have to watch. Um, on. I'm not, I'm not sure I could disconnect the whole, the whole uh, setup and everything, but there's, there's one over there with, that I'd love to show you. It's a, it's a frog on a rock that I got from um, a very large, I'll, I'll leave it nameless, but academic medical center that narrows it down for you in the state of Maryland. Um, okay. And we'll so that's, that's fun. You'll All right. Send we'll, send, we'll send, put them in the show notes. I love that. Um, so, wow. It's so interesting. So I want to know what you, you came from a, a different business. What has it been like for you to transition mm. um, and real talk here on the Dr. Whisperer to start working in the medical and healthcare industry? Uh, it, it was fun. It was terrifying. Um, it was, and it still is a journey that I'm enjoying every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're, you're talking about, you're trying, you're walking in as the consultant who has to know more about this very technical area than your client, because you're providing them guidance and you're bringing them along so that they feel comfortable that they actually can trust you to do this job. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of all, let me say this, Sharon. I, I think it's a disservice that we have done uh, when I say we, not, not you and I, or not even the general public, hospital leadership has done to hold the vice president of supply chain or the materials manager or anybody who manages supply chain in a hospital accountable to negotiate these types of implants or any really highly technical area, and there are many, as you know, inside mm-hmm. of healthcare, these folks have to be versed on uh, capital equipment like CT machines and MRI machines. They have to source protective equipment in the midst of a pandemic. Yeah. Um, they have to do a lot of things. And so you're asking them to do all the and landscaping contracts and food service. That's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. And so while hospitals have gotten smart and they start to build specialties around that, it's very hard to find somebody who's specialized in understanding implants. And not only just knee and hip implants, I haven't talked about yet 23 different categories that Kermit manages. Biologics, very, very complex. Mm-hmm. Um, spine, uh, even electronic equipment that is used for pain management that gets implanted, all the cardiovascular lines. And so I think when you think when you think about that, you have to be a leader when you go in. They have to you have to instill confidence in your in your client mm-hmm. that you understand this stuff really well, and you're not there to lord it over there. You're trying to educate them so you can make them the star next time they walk into a meeting with a surgeon, and they feel confident they can stand toe to toe with a surgeon and have a dialogue about this stuff because they understand the difference between a femoral component and a tibial component, and that one is made out of titanium and one is porous to allow bone and growth and all these different things. So obviously it didn't come overnight, but I do love to absorb that kind of knowledge. And the most freeing thing that I did was selling the other business because then I had nothing else to do. And it kind of set me up to learn. And I, and I learned a lot of it just on the job, going to meetings with my co-founders and listening to where they talk and understanding what it was that the client needed? How, how did they feel insecure? Or what was it that we could do to really help them? And that was natural for me. And I, and I love to work with people. And so I think that part was easy. Hey, quick interruption on this amazing podcast. But we have to tell you about our awesome sponsor, Thai Technology. They are so cool. And they're here in Tampa Bay, if you're a Tampa Bay listener. 
Thai Technology is the best voice over IP business phone service company out there. How do I know this? I used to work in telecom before I worked with doctors. That's right. So I know me a good phone system when I see it. Plus, they are integrated with Zoom. They are the only ones that are integrated with Zoom. And if you mention this podcast or you mention the Facebook show, they're going to hook you up with three months for free. Follow them on Facebook and on Instagram. Thai Technology Rocks. But I'm still learning about all these technologies, uh, as is all of us. You know, the one thing that the industry does very, very well, the implant manufacturers, is they release new versions of products and new products trying to innovate all the time. But there really hasn't been a truly meaningful innovation in some of these very mature categories in a long time. There have been tons of products released. They mm. all have a bigger price tag than they did last year. And that gets really confusing for hospitals, especially when the objective of these companies is to have great relationships with their surgeons, take them to right. dinner, play golf, send them to sporting events and do all that. And every, every good sales organization does that type of thing. But you, you get to a point where you know, how much of that stuff were we going to allow? When does a surgeon really need to be a good corporate citizen of the budget that they are also on the payroll for of that hospital. And they have to be, they have to be embraced as a decision maker and all this. And that's really what we do in our process. So are hospitals seeking you out or are you kind of knocking on the door to get in? Mm, We're more door knocking, honestly, (laughs) we are, we are 10 years into this, but um, I, I liken it to, you know, when you, you watch the Grammys and the best new artist categories announced and you're like, where did this person come from? The music is amazing. They just appeared right. on the scene. You know, they didn't just appear on the scene. It was right. 20 years of playing mm-hmm. in little Nashville bars and everything else they did. So I think we've kind of paid the 10 year dues. Um, mm-hmm. We're really now, we manage 40% of the implant spend that transacts in the state of Maryland today. Mm-hmm. So we've done a really good job in our home state, spreading out into the mid-Atlantic and now we're like sitting on our back porch, ready to attack the nation. We've got um, a brand new oh, oh, here for one year marketing uh, manager. We've got a chief growth officer who's hired a full sales team. We've got all the infrastructure we need to go out and tell the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's kind of where we are. So a lot of people, even though we've been around 10 years, don't know of us. They've never heard of us. They're going to. I'd mm-hmm. love for every hospital that wants to do this to be able to have a shot at doing this. And it's not for everybody, honestly. There are, mm-hmm. there are times I will sit across the table from a supply chain manager who's got a scowl and crossed arm saying, you're not going to find $10 million worth of savings on my watch. And, I, and I'm not trying to do that. I, I just want them, if they want to save money, they want to manage this without headaches, they want it to feel like it's all taken care of, like everything in their childhood was mm-hmm. because Kermit is here, we can do it. Um, yeah. That's what we really want to bring to them. So it's um, so I want to liken it to kind of what I used to do when I would go into a practice and restructure it. Um, majority of the time, because um, before I started, the doctor was for uh, eight years ago. Um, I ran a pediatric office for eight years. And before that, I was director of operations for New York Medical. So I got a really great education in how difficult it can be to start up something new, how to collaborate with um, other specialties, how to build a business, how to have staff, all of it, right? And what I have found as um, a consultant, uh, and when I would go in and and rebrand, I would never, I would only get referred because I just know that if you're not ready for me, then there's no, there's no point. But the most interesting thing that I always found was when I would meet with these administrators was 
I, I always wanted to help save money because I know you have to spend money on me. And I, I used to feel like I always had to justify everything that you paid for with me. So let's find some savings. Let's start there. And a lot of these administrators, and you know, I would liken it to hospitals as well. There's so many things that they have to deal with. You know, there's there's staff, there's supply chain, there's the doctors, there's malpractice, there's just so much. So, um, so I never really thought that they spent enough time doing their due diligence on where they could save because that savings right there affects the bottom line and it affects the surgeon. It affects, it affects everybody. It expects that administrator's salary, their bonus, right? Everything. So to be able to have a company where, you know, that it's technology driven, which, you know, it is shocking, but not shocking in the medical industry that they, they still use fax machines. Okay. Let's be real here, Richard. Um, When people ask me, can I, can you fax me the proposal? I'm like, where am I? Like, what year is this? But you know, it is the truth. It's a slower moving world. I mean, it was a slow shift to electronic health records. It's, it's very complex when you're dealing with, with doctors and administrators. Um, So of course, I'm like, well, duh, everybody needs Kermit. Like, it's a no-brainer. Uh, yes, you, you use the word. You use the word. Yeah. No-brainer, right? That's yeah, it. Yeah. Well, that, you know, I mean, I feel the same way even when I go into practices. And uh, you don't need me. If you have somebody great, that's my no-brainer. Duh, doc. Mm-hmm. You don't need me. You need to hire somebody that can get the job done. So, so I wonder how it must be difficult. Well, I know it's difficult to get past the gatekeeper. So you have to ask yourself, if it's a no-brainer, why aren't we in every single hospital across the nation? I would say this, this is really two reasons. The first is we took 10 years to build this very, very carefully, make sure it really worked. Sure. Um, we, we've had wonderful client relationships who have let us build this brand new product in their midst. Yes, sure. we'll be the alpha site, you know, not even beta, like just bring it in, we'll try it and use it. And um, and one hospital in particular in Annapolis, Maryland, the, the capital of, of our state, um, has been a client of ours for nine of the 10 years we've been in business. Mm-hmm. So that's great. And they were the first to use Kermit, and that's been wonderful. But the second reason is, and, and, and you will know what I mean by this, um, there are lots of relationships in healthcare, mm-hmm. and not all of them are transparent. And you've got to wonder why, if it's such a no-brainer, who's protecting what and whom, mm-hmm. uh, and what do we not want exposed? I, we had a client many years back that was a very short-lived engagement for us. Not too many of those uh, are, are the case. Usually, they're with us for nine years, like I said, the mm-hmm. other one was. But this one in particular, was owned, it, was a, it was a group of hospitals owned by a private equity firm, and they were very interested in the reports and the analytics. They wanted the dashboard. They loved the Kermit approach. Come to find out, the surgery centers were part surgeon-owned, and some of them had their own uh, implant distributorships that they also yeah. owned. They were buying their own implants to to put them in the patients. Yeah. Um, and while that can be done above board, in the case of this organization, the parent company wanted to know what exactly was going on, so they deployed Kermit as a way to understand that without telling the other hospitals what they were doing. Mm. And we just walk in and we're just happy go lucky Kermit yeah. trying to do our job and save them a ton of money. We're getting all kinds of resistance. We're wondering what's going on. And so we uncovered some of this stuff. Um, and it was on the order of kind of some, there was some impropriety that, that would have been illegal 
and we sure. brought it to their attention. So yes, you've got to wonder why this isn't a no brainer for everybody. And yeah. when I get a no, it isn't really a true no for me. It's just a, you're just not ready for this today. And that's okay. And that, yeah. Yeah. Because that means there are five people behind you in line. I, I need to get to who will probably want to do this right now. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I, I love that. You know, um, uh, every time I have these kind of conversations, it reminds me of a, a practice I went into where the administrator, when I was asking about the vendors that they use, right. Cause I'm always looking for savings. So you know, I said, well, this is the vendor that you're using. They're literally the most expensive. Like, why would we be using them? And, you know, very innocently, she told me not thinking that, you know, I have a very strategic business mindset. She said, oh, well, I love him. And he takes us to, you know, Boston Red Sox games. And, you know, he's got great kids and he comes in here and he feeds my staff. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I get it. And a lot of that is true. A lot of that is well, especially in the medical industry, it's very uh, sometimes almost incestual, dare I say, you know, with the relationships and who we use and what we do. And then there's a big fear that what you're talking about, this isn't going to work, you know, like a, a very serious trust. That's why I asked you before how it felt coming into the healthcare industry after being um, in such a different uh, industry before, because it definitely is its own uh, if you're in it, you go, wow, like who would have thought that this, the medical industry was like this, right? Yeah. 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 yeah I did feel that when we first uh, started to do this journey, I was taking the approach as a CEO and a strategist of there are lots of logical things we can do. I think we could bring tremendous value. Let's do these things. And then you, you bring them in and they just fall flat. You're wondering like, what is it about this environment? They must be making decisions differently or see things differently. And so, yes, highly political lots of fiefdoms, lots of folks uh, not willing to take a risk on something for fear that it will be negative on them and maybe they lose their job or something worse. So mm -hmm. yeah, there was a lot of that that I had to just learn, but it didn't take too many closed doors for me to back up and say, wait a minute, maybe the approach is a little too heavy handed. Maybe there's a different way of doing this. Um, and and my, my co-founders being former medical device reps really helped me understand that there's an approach there. There's a reason why these guys are trusted. And there's also a value to them being in the operating room. It's not to produce bills on, on paper and do all of that. I mean, you're think about the best salespeople, you know, they're probably the worst at paperwork. We don't want our salespeople doing paperwork. Yeah. Um, they should be tending to the relationship. And that's what they do really, really well. That's why the doctor trusts them. And let's not stand in between that. Let's let that continue to be. So everything that we've done with the technology, we have a mobile app that we give for free to the sales rep that actually allows them to enter all this data. And the value for them is they get paid faster. They'll get paid on the day of surgery Whereas in, in some large health systems, I've heard it can take them upwards of three, four weeks to get paid. So they like it. So let's not stand in, in the way of that relationship, but let's do what we're there to do. Let's provide transparency. Let's make sure that nobody is overpaying. Let's make sure if there's waste, fraud, and abuse, we're going to call it out and show everybody. And let's do what's right for the patient to, to, to really improve the bottom line of the hospital and also bring down the cost. I think that's a good mission that everybody can get behind. Absolutely. And really, if you have um, the right team in place that is really um, wanting to make the hospital the best that it can be, you really need to 
have more innovation and and really look at all of the cost savings. See, I was laughing as you were talking about it. A lot of people just don't want to do the extra work. And a yeah. lot of people, especially in the medical industry, because it's been so, I mean, when we when I bring up electronic health care to doctors, it's like, oh God, please don't, you know. So right. technology hasn't always been a friend to them. And right. and really, you know, they go into this business thinking that they want to save lives. They don't want to even be burdened with all this other technological advances. Sometimes they feel it's like, it's just easier to keep what we have. And that usually ends up um, costing them a ton of money in the long run. So, so Richard, I'm really excited about, about your company. I'm, I'm excited about it, you know, expanding throughout um, maybe here in Tampa Bay. Maybe we, we need to introduce this to Baycare and we need to introduce this to um, Tampa General Hospital because mm -hmm. I think that as we grow, um, we really do need to uh, have companies come in that have that connection that you have where your dad is a cardiologist. You also have a great business sense and your co-founder, the fact that he worked in the medical device company is it's the reason I get hired is because I've been working with doctors for over 20 years. Like that's it. It's the trust factor that is so mm -hmm. important. And you definitely have that, that trust to walk in with, which is so comforting. So Thank is there you. anything Thank else you, you want to um, leave the audience with before we go today? Because you know, you're in the technological world that the uh, attention span of most people is that of a flea. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say this, whether you're a surgeon or you're on staff at a hospital charged to save money, or you're a patient, really, if you're a patient, you want to learn more about this, mm -hmm. go to Kermit PPI, uh, okay. PPI, as in P as in Peter, uh, PPI is the acronym that is used in, in the vernacular art industry for physician preference items. That's this large category of implantable medical devices. So KermitPPI.com. And there's this really cool little explainer video. I think you've probably watched it already, Sharon, mm -hmm. on the front of the website where you can really digest why is this a no-brainer? Uh, why shouldn't I tell my surgeon about this? Or I wonder if my hospital is using this. Or if I'm a sales rep and I want to get paid faster, maybe I'll introduce this to the hospital I work in. There's lots of places where we have to actually make that connection. There isn't one true decision maker, mm -hmm. you know, according to what every, uh, everybody likes to talk about in sales, who's your decision maker? There isn't one in this category. It's a collaboration. Everybody needs to be honored for the role they, they play. And we really are trying to create that visibility by, between the surgeon the financial office, the CFO, and the supply chain manager, so they can all collaborate by removing the walls that exist today, putting true data in the center of that data that's collected in the operating room, mm -hmm. categorized properly, um, and doesn't have any error in it. And we can really look at data, we can manage recalls in a wonderful way. There's lots of things we can do with this data that we're doing at Kermit. So check out the website, Follow us on LinkedIn. We post a lot of stuff on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to find us if you just search Kermit. And anything that's not a frog, it's probably going to be us. <laughs> I uh, love it. And you also, it's not just hospitals that you work with. You're working with surgery centers and such. Lots of orthopedics. What specialty do you find you're, you're working with the most? Yeah, pr primarily our uh, 
our area is going to be in community and regional medical centers and large academic health systems. Um, but yes, if there's a specialty hospital that is only doing spine and joint and cardiovascular surgery, and that's all they do, they're not, they're not seeing patients for anything else, that's probably a pretty good area where we can come in and help. We'll negotiate the price, get them better prices on 23 different categories of implants. We'll deploy the software to make sure that all that hard-fought cost reduction is hung on to long-term with spend management. It doesn't erode, doesn't go away, which is a big problem in this category. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yes, we, to a lesser extent, ambulatory surgical centers that do a lot of hip and knee and shoulder work and spine work, that's a great place to deploy our product. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I hope that you enjoy this beautiful area as you come and visit. Can't wait. I can't wait to get down there. <laughs> All right, Richard. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Sharon. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review or share it with somebody you know and care about that would benefit from listening. But more importantly, if you are thinking about advertising your business in the year 2021, sponsoring a podcast is major. 44% of people pay more attention to advertising on podcasts than any other media. And 37% agree that advertising on a podcast is actually the best way to reach them. 70% have considered a new product or service after hearing an ad on a podcast. And I'm one of those people. And this is all according to Edison Research. Don't believe me, believe the research. So if you're interested in sponsoring, give us a shout.